Welcome to the Exam Room Rambles Podcast, where veterinarian Dr. Tracy Westergaard shares the same tips, opinions, and explanations she gives you in the exam room, only without barking dogs or hissing cats. We're really glad you're here. Enjoy the show. Hello, and thanks for pressing play on your favorite podcast player. You're listening to Exam Room Rambles, and I'm Dr. Tracy Westergaard, a mixed animal veterinarian in southwest Minnesota, and today I'm going to talk about corneal ulcers, minor to severe. Now, I'm going to talk about corneal ulcers in regard to dogs, but then I'm going to discuss cats and horses and how they compare to ulcers in dogs. So eye issues are never anything to mess around with. They need to be seen by a doctor, preferably same day, but if not, definitely within 24 hours. If you think your dog has an eye issue on a Saturday afternoon, you should probably call the emergency line. Most of the eye ulcers and eye issues we see are minor and can be treated easily and quickly with medication, but even a superficial, simple ulcer can develop into a serious melting ulcer in 24 hours, and and you don't want your pet to lose their sight. What is a corneal ulcer? Well, first, let's talk about what the cornea is. The cornea is the clear part of the eye. It doesn't have any blood vessels, it doesn't have any pigment, and it's not just one thick layer. It's actually three separate layers that are smashed together like a sandwich. This whole cornea is half to a full millimeter thick, depending on the species and the breed. So the most superficial layer, the one that is kind of exposed to the outside world, is called the epithelium, and that one repels water. Our eyelids act kind of like windshield wipers, just like on our car, and moves that tear film out of the way. Underneath that layer is the stromal layer, and that is the thickest layer, and I think it's like 90% of the thickness of the cornea. That layer is hydrophilic, and that becomes important when we talk about diagnosing ulcers with a fluorescein stain that we use. The deepest layer is decemet's membrane. I think I'm saying that right, Disemet's membrane. That is the last very thin, essentially, membrane before you reach the inside of the eye, the anterior chamber. The other parts of the eye that you can see that you're probably familiar with is the iris, which is the circular colored part of the eye, and the pupil, which is that space which the iris creates, and then, of course, the whites of the eye, which is the sclera. Obviously, there's a lot more important parts of the eye, but we're just going to concern ourselves today with the superficial part of the eye, the cornea and the sclera. Now, for the sake of simplicity, I'm going to classify corneal ulcers into three categories. A superficial, a deep, which could be a melting ulcer, and then a decemetocele, which is an ulcer that's so deep, it's down to the very last cell layer of the cornea, and that's pretty bad. So the signs of an ulcer are kind of generic signs of any eye issue, and that's one of the hard things. Eyes can only respond so many ways, whether you're dealing with glaucoma, an acute uveitis, a conjunctivitis like a pink eye, an ulcer that's deep, an ulcer that's superficial, an indolent ulcer. All of them are painful. (laughs) Your dog is going to act squinty and sore and rubbing and holding that eye shut in all of those conditions. Sometimes, if the pain is bad enough, they're not going to want to eat, they're not going to want to play. Along with pain, you're going to see redness of the whites of the eyes, swelling, sometimes that conjunctiva and the eyelids are actually swollen, 
And then the whites of the eye, that sclera, can be, you can really see those blood vessels dilated. Now those, in the case of an ulcer, are usually secondary to the dog rubbing. Third, you can see increased discharge. A lot of the body, times the body tries to respond by creating more tears and more mucus to help flush things out. You'll see a wet face. You'll see yellow mucus in the corner of the eyes. And sometimes you'll even see like a glossy film or a change in color to the cornea. When you see a blue haze in the normally clear part of the eye, that is usually corneal edema, swelling of the cornea, basically. You see, the cornea is unique in that it doesn't have any blood vessels or pigment. So all the collagen fibers that make them up are in a strict parallel fashion. And then all of the nutrients that the cornea needs, and it's live cells, just like the rest of the body, it gets all of its oxygen and nutrients delivered through the tear film. The most common cause for ulcers in dogs and cats and horses is actually trauma. This trauma can be rough play, carpet burn, cat scratches, brush and twigs, foreign body, chunks of dirt, pieces of grass. Trauma from the dog's own eyelid. There is a condition called dystichia where we get eyelashes coming out of the wrong spot. They actually come out of the margin of the eyelid instead of the side of the eyelid. And those will rub on the cornea. And they can come up at any time. We definitely see it more often in certain breeds, but we see dystichia several times a year. We fix that by lasering those hair follicles. Entropion, that's also trauma. But entropion is when the eyelid curls into the eye. It is technically a genetic defect. It is potentially something that is passed to offspring. And it can cause a lot of discomfort and a lot of problems down the road for those eyes. So the eyelids are actually rolling in and they, those eyelashes will scrape the eye. And then, though trauma is often what pushes it over the edge, dogs and cats and horses can get ulcers more easily if they have an underlying issue. And that underlying issue could be just the breed. Think of your brachiocephalic breeds, your pugs, bulldogs, your Boston Terriers. They all have big, bulgy eyes. It's just their conformation. Their eyes are not set deep in the eye socket. They come out more. So there's more surface area, and the tear film can't always keep that lubricated. They're drier. There's health conditions like dry eye. And if the tear film is not completely normal, if it doesn't have all the components to it, it's not going to keep the eye lubricated. Cats specifically, and sometimes horses, can have underlying herpes disease or chlamydia, which are contagious diseases that affect the eye. Herpes, of course, is for life, even in cats. And anytime a cat is stressed, instead of getting like a cold sore like a person would get, they can get a flare-up of a conjunctivitis, and then they can self-traumatize by rubbing that eye. And then certain drugs can predispose cats to eye ulcers. Quick edit. I say otoscope, and I mean ophthalmoscope. I did not catch that when I did my first edit. And now this was supposed to be published this morning, and I listened to it one last time, and yeah. So when you bring your dog, cat, or horse to the Marshall Animal Clinic to have an exam done on your pet's eyes, we're first going to do a full physical exam. We're going to listen to heart and lungs. We're going to take their temperatures. We're going to look for any other underlying disease that could be related to this ulcer. And then we're going to look in the eyes. We're going to examine them grossly, meaning no tools. 
see if we see anything out of the ordinary. We're going to use our otoscope so we can get a closer look at the lens and the retina and the back of the eye. And then we're probably going to use some tools. Now, if we suspect an ulcer at all, and even sometimes if we don't, we just need to be dang sure, we're going to do a simple test with fluorescein dye. So it is a neon yellow-green dye, and it will stick and stain hydrophilic tissue. So if that hydrophobic epithelial, the very thin, I don't know, five to seven cell layer thick surface of the cornea, if that is scratched and the stromal, that middle 90% is exposed, that middle hydrophilic stroma is going to take up the stain and you can't rinse it off. It's going to stay there for quite some time. Along with the dye, we put a little numbing agent too so the pets let us get a good look and some of the pain is temporarily relieved so we can examine the eye. Now sometimes we have to use a special blue light on our otoscope to see a very fine, fine stain. And we'll rinse. We'll rinse it a couple times with saline just to make sure that we're not actually seeing a booger on the eye because boogers will grab a hold of stain also. There are other types of stain used in horses when we suspect fungal or certain viral infections. That's a rose bengal stain. We don't use that much in practice, but more strictly equine clinics will. So if we stain your dog's eye and we see that the cornea is taking up some of the stain and you can't rinse it away, we know your dog has got a corneal ulcer. We just need to decide which kind so we can come up with a treatment plan. Now, this is something that just kind of comes with clinical experience and seeing multiple ulcers. We can kind of gauge how thick it is by looking at it magnified. We can see if it's just a nice, shallow, superficial ulcer or if it goes deep and there's more of like a cliff ledge. Worst case scenario is that in the center of the green area that takes up stain, there's a little spot that takes up no stain. That means that we are down to that very last layer, and that would be a decemidocele. That's the most severe kind of ulcer, and that is a really high risk for rupturing or popping the eyeball. We refer those. There's not anything that we can do surgically at Marshall Animal Clinic. Those dogs or cats or horses need to go see an ophthalmologist to have a surgical procedure done to protect that eye. So there is a special type of superficial ulcer that we see pretty common in practice. And we do try to deal with them in our general practice, but often we do end up referring these off to an ophthalmologist. And these are called indolent ulcers. Now there is a technical name, and I'm trying to make sure I get it right. Spontaneous Chronic Corneal Epithelial Defect, SCCED. We just call them indolent ulcers. They're also known as boxer ulcers because there's definitely certain breeds that are prone to this. Boxers, absolutely. We've seen them in a couple of terriers, a couple pit bulls, a lot of mixed breeds. Really, any breed can get them. And with this type of ulcer, there usually is no trauma. They happen completely for no reason. Often it's older dogs and dogs with no history of eye issues. Previous ulcers don't necessarily predispose a dog to indolent ulcers. Now, indolent ulcers are unique because what happens in an indolent ulcer is those top two layers, the epithelial layer 
does not stick to the stroma. I heard a great analogy. It's kind of like paint on drywall. If you have old paint on drywall and it starts to bubble and blister, you can't just paint over that blistering paint and expect it to stick. You actually have to scrape it off, get down to the drywall, get all the loose paint off, and then paint it over. And that's exactly what we have to do with indolent ulcers. And sometimes it takes us three three tries. So we have to get all that blistering, non-inherent, superficial epithelium off the eye. We do that in a couple of different ways. I do it with a cotton swab. Messing with eyes is scary to me, and I am not that aggressive. But I am pretty handy with a cotton swab, so we'll numb up the eye, and sometimes we sedate the dog, depending on the dog. And I will use a cotton swab to rub that cornea. And you can see it almost looks like you're picking a scab and you're peeling chunks of tissue off. Another way to do it is actually with a needle where you're actually doing what's called a a grid keratotomy. And I don't do that one. Dr. Pat does. She's comfortable with a needle. And you're basically, you get as much of the loose stuff off and then you, you do little scrapes along the edge. The third method, which is an excellent, very effective method that we do not do at Marshall Animal Clinic, is a diamond burr keratectomy. That is something that ophthalmologists do and maybe some general practitioners, but that is very effective. Often when the ophthalmologist will do this procedure, they will use a contact lens afterwards to protect the eye while things heal. All of these systems, the swab, the needle, the diamond burr, they're all forms of debriding. This is a debridement process, and sometimes it can take more than once. So we will still treat these dogs with antibiotics and different things to protect the eye and reduce pain. We definitely do systemic pain meds like carprofen or meloxicam. Because this can be, these can take a month to heal. And like I said, repeat debridements. Um, But they aren't technically caused by infection. So some of the medications we're commonly using with corneal ulcers, not necessarily indolent ulcers, but the different types of corneal ulcers are going to be pain medications. We will use some topical pain medications, but we'll also use systemic pain medications. We'll use antibiotics if that infection is deep antifungals frequently in horses. We use a drug called atropine, and it isn't technically a pain medication, but we use it to help control pain. For whatever reason, when that cornea is damaged, the iris will spasm, kind of like a charley horse that the dog or cat or horse can't control. So atropine will actually dilate the eye so that that muscle, that iris, can't spasm anymore. We use anti-inflammatories, And then, this is one that we've used for quite a few years now, polysulfated glucosaminoglycans. So almost similar to the components of joints. So a lubricant, basically. We'll also use, in the case of some melting ulcers, serum. Like serum from another animal. In fact, we try to use horse serum because it has the greatest anti-melting factors. Ah, shoot, I don't know what they're called. I forget what's in them. Proteases? Antiproteases. All I know is if you have a melting ulcer or a really deep ulcer, you need to use horse serum a couple times a day. It has something to do with bacteria digesting the cornea with its proteases, and the serum combats that. That was not real eloquent. I swear I am a veterinarian and I kind of know what I'm talking about. Moving on. So when you do administer eye meds, you've got it in. And if you're administering more than one, if you're doing some atropine, if you're doing one of those 
um, polysulfated glucose aminoglycans and you're doing an antibiotic, you can't just do one drop of each in one setting and then get on with your day. You actually have to separate them by five to 10 minutes each. And the reason is your eye area, your conjunctiva, is kind of like a glass of water. It can only hold so much. And if you overfill it with tears and medicine, it's just going to roll right outside of the eye. The tear is going to go down the fur or it's going to go down the nasal lacrimal duct, the overflow essentially. So you have to spread them apart so that that medicine has plenty of chance to be absorbed and do its thing. Now we usually tell you which drug to do in which order, but if your vet doesn't, make sure to ask them which of those drugs you need to do first, second, third, etc. Now Administering eye meds can be very challenging. I think horses are going to be the hardest. They've got extremely strong eyelid muscles. And sometimes for us to do an exam on a horse, we actually have to do a nerve block on the horse because their muscles are stronger than our fingers. The other disadvantage with horses is if you're just treating a simple superficial ulcer, you can't use drops because their eyes are on the side of their head, not on the top of their head. And you can't really move their head around. And their head weighs like 100 pounds for real. So we have to use ointments, which means you have to get much more up close and personal with the eye. When you're administering drops to a dog or a cat, you can actually drop that medicine from a couple inches away if you have decent aim. And if you miss, it's no big deal. But with horses, when you have a petroleum-based ointment, you actually have to make a pocket in the lower lid And I usually put that tip length of ointment right in the pocket. Not every horse takes that. And if your horse doesn't tolerate that, or you do have a more serious ulcer, either a fungal or a melting ulcer or stromal abscess in your horse, we have to put in a subpalpebral lavage system, which is basically a a series of piping that ends under the eyelid. And you put the medicine in way back, I don't know, 18 inches down this pipe. And then every time you put in the next med, it pushes a little medicine forward into that eye. And that's honestly a lot easier. It's also a lot more expensive and a lot more labor intensive. That is something that we can do at Marshall Animal Clinic. We usually don't jump to it right away at the first sign of an ulcer. But if you have a difficult horse to treat or we suspect something more than just a superficial ulcer or an ulcer that does not heal within the first five to seven days, we're going to jump to that system. One of the reasons that we see fungal infections in the eyes of horses that we don't see in dogs and cats is because they eat hay. And hay is full of little trauma producers. They poke the eye. Hay is also usually full of different types of molds. Even the best put up hay is going to have mold in it. Also, some people feed out of round baled feeders or they feed horses elevated. Another more common cause of ulcers in horses is trailering. Really, you should be using a tight meshed fly mask in your horse, whether it's a fancy horse trailer or a stock trailer. They should have a mask on to protect them from flying debris going down the road. We do also try to control pain and inflammation in horses with either bute or banamine. It also seems to me like horses need ointment more frequently than dogs and cats. Where dogs and cats, we can often get away treating like three times a day. Horses really seem to need it more often. So the cause of ulcers in cats are real similar to that of dogs. 
The major difference is the herpes, and I touched on that earlier. It is so common for cats in the upper Midwest to have underlying herpes infection that they usually contract as a kitten. So many of the cats we have are cats that are adopted or cats that come from farm. Very, very, very few of our clients are purchasing a cat from a breeder. They're rescues, and often these cats do not come from easy beginnings. So when cats have these herpes flare, they'll self-traumatize. That's the big thing that's different from dog ulcers. We still need to treat them appropriately with pain meds, anti-inflammatories, and antibiotics. But those cats, we may add antivirals, and we also may add supplemental lysine in the form of lysine treats or lysine chews. So back to medicating and how very challenging it can be depending on your dog. Now, ultimately, you know your pets best, so these are just some general recommendations. But there is no doubt about it. If you have got a dog with some basic obedience, that they respond well to treat rewards, or you try to medicate them when they're hungry and can use some kind of distraction like peanut butter on a spoon, or you can take a small container like a sour cream or a yogurt container and use a knife and smear a little peanut butter on the inside of that, and someone can hold it up by your dog's nose, they can lick on that and work at that for quite a while while you drop their eyes. That's kind of a more of a hands-off, less restraint method. And if you have a, a good, obedient dog that's not terribly squirrely, that works well. For small dogs and cats, I actually like to put them up on a counter so they are at chest level. Most dogs aren't used to being on your kitchen counter, so when they get up there, They kind of have just a little bit of fear that keeps them from being naughty. The easiest way for me if I'm trying to medicate an animal by myself is I'll put that cat or dog up on the counter and I will actually put their back end of their tail towards my chest so that their head is facing away from me. And I can kind of scoop them around with my left hand and hold their chin, pointing their nose kind of upwards. And then with my right hand, I can drop that in. Doesn't work so well on a big dog. If you've got a big 60, 70, 100-pound dogs, I like to actually keep them on the floor, straddle them, and back them into a corner, kind of tipping up their chin the same way and medicating with my right hand. Now, that's if I don't have a helper. If you've got a helper or a family member and you can do this with the peanut butter trick or with a treat, it's just so much easier to make it a two-person job. But I understand that's not always something you can do. In most cases, we do try to prescribe drops. Drops just are so much more forgiving because you don't have to get quite so close to the dog's eye. You can drop those drops from a couple inches away. With that said, sometimes ointment is a better choice. There's a tetracycline ointment that we like to use in certain circumstances because not only is tetracycline an antibiotic, it's also anti-inflammatory. So sometimes it can be more beneficial than, say, a tobramycin drop, simply because it has anti-inflammatory qualities too. Tetracycline ointment is over-the-counter. That is something you can find at your local farm store, or you can get it prescription-free over-the-counter from a mail-order supply. We carried it at the vet clinic also. Most of your other eye ointments are all going to be prescription. There are over-the-counter eye rinses, Vetricin makes one that's really great, especially if you have a dog that you take with to the lake or hunting dog and you just want to rinse those eyes out at the end of the day. But they're no substitute for treating an ulcer. That's something that needs to be diagnosed by a veterinarian and treated with prescription medications. 
for little kittens that have ulcers and eye issues secondary to maybe a contagious conjunctivitis, I like to smear a little petroleum jelly all around the fur around their eye. That petroleum jelly just acts as a barrier and a skin protectant the same way that like diaper cream would protect a baby's butt from that drainage. Because you can actually get like a scald and you can get the skin irritated from the constant drainage of an eye. And of course, you're not going to get away without an e-collar. Unless you have a horse with an ulcer. We do not have e-collars for horses. But dogs and cats really need to wear an e-collar. Eyes hurt, they itch, and so much of the trauma is self-created. So e-collars are going to keep them from making it worse. The last thing I want to touch on is when to involve an ophthalmologist. We are lucky to have a couple of different options for ophthalmologists just a few hours away in the Twin Cities metro area. First off, you always have the option of going and seeing an ophthalmologist. Eyes are nothing to mess around with. And though we see a fair amount of ulcers and other eye issues in our general practice, if you would like your pet seen by a specialist who only works on eyes, we will definitely help you find the right one. Now, if you don't think you need to see an ophthalmologist, but your dog's eye, which we are calling a simple ulcer, is not healed within 10 days, or it's not progressing, or turning into a melting ulcer, we're probably going to encourage you to go see an ophthalmologist. We'll also encourage you if you have an indolent ulcer in your pet that we just can't get healed with our either needle debridement or our swab debridement. So the reason that we are going to refer you for a very severe deep ulcer, like the seals that I talked about early, is because there is actually surgical things that they can do to keep the eye from rupturing. They can do conjunctival grafts and flaps. They can do third eyelid flaps, though we can do that too. They're not always ideal. They can do corneal transplant, and they can administer contact lenses. Those are all things that we can't do in general practice, but may save your pet's life. So worst case scenario is to enucleate the eye, and that is a pretty basic procedure and something we do many times a year. And it is actually the quickest way to relieve comfort if you've got an eyeball that's popped or have another chronic eye condition like glaucoma. Dogs and cats and horses do really great with just one eye, but we usually don't have to go to that extreme for a simple ulcer. That was a lot to cover in 25 minutes. I apologize these podcasts are getting a little longer every episode. There's just so much great information that I want to share with you that I think it's important for you to know that I don't want to leave anything out. And I already feel like I am leaving out a ton of things. So we've got a lot of other eye issues to discuss in future episodes. In the meantime, if you have any questions or constructive criticism ideas of topics you want talked about on this podcast, you can contact me at examroomrambles at gmail.com or the Marshall Animal Clinic 507-537-1537 during regular business hours. We also have a website and an online store you're welcome to visit at www.marshallanimalclinic.com. Thank you. Thank you.